0: How about that story, huh? Kenzie went by herself, sat in the back of the room, never been to church before but once, gave her life to Christ. Those are the stories that impact my life. And, um, you know, when we first came to Pittsburgh, I came back to Pittsburgh to um, run John Guest's ministry here, his national ministry in 19, or 2000, excuse me. And he asked me to bring the silver ring thing with us. So we did we started setting it up here at this church in the barn when it used to be right outside that door. And we had had 1,400 people who had come to an event in the five years we were in Arizona. 1,000 of them had put on this silver ring, you know, and um, 700 of them had given their lives to Christ. Now there's 637,000 kids who've come. 120,000 of them have given their lives to Christ. And so they wear this ring. The idea is they put the ring on, and wait for the husband or wife. And then on their wedding day, they take it off. And they give it to them and say, here you go. I've been waiting for you. And there's a second virginity part, which is what Mackenzie talked about. Since the day I put on this ring, I made the decision. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to wait for my husband or my wife. So that's the beauty of the program. And we've seen miraculous stuff. And thank you, Christ Church, for sending us out to this nation. Because you are a very big part of that and still are. Well, it is Father's Day, you know, it's funny about Father's Day is that a lot of times we get given tasks to do. It's like when our wives leave, they, they leave us with tasks with the kids. And something simple like putting the kids to bed. And, you know, as a father, we think, I got it, I got it. She goes, no, do you understand? No, I got it, I got it. But we really don't got it because we're military, you know. We put kids to bed. is based on military tactics or something. So here's a story that I read at one point. It was about a father putting his young son to bed. He puts him to bed, and about five minutes later... He hears, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Could I have a drink of water? No, you had your chance. Lights out. Go to sleep. (laughs) See, we think we're controlling the kids, right? Five minutes later, Dad, what? Can I please have a drink of water? I said no, and if you ask me again, you're going to get a spanking. Five minutes later, Dad, what? When you come up to give me my spanking, could you please bring me a drink of water? (laughs) As we know, our kids do control us. A lot of times on Father's Day I hear messages and the messages are sometimes a bit negative. I don't want to be negative today. I want you to be encouraged as a father. I found some research that I thought was very interesting. It's by a guy by the name of Michael Craven. He said this, in short, if a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful his wife is, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. However, if a father does go regularly, regardless of the practices of, his, of her, their mother, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will become churchgoers. You see, one of the reasons suggested for this distinction is that children tend to get their direction about domestic life from their mom, while their conceptions of the outside world come from dad. If dad takes faith seriously in God, then the message to their children is that God should be taken seriously. And this just confirms the essential role of the father as the spiritual leader of the family. All I'm going to say to fathers today is one simple thing. Wherever you've been in the past, no matter where you find yourself today, today, become the spiritual leader of your family. Whatever it takes to work that out, lead your family spiritually. Your kids... Lives literally depend upon it. Just be that. Don't miss what your kids are doing. Get to it. You can't catch up later. Go to everything they do. And God will bless your children, I guarantee you. So just take that message for what it is. Now, today's scripture is probably the most difficult scripture in the Bible to explain. Thank you, Christ Church, for giving it to me. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I want to give you a background on what was happening before we get to Acts chapter 5. So I'm just going to take you a real quick little s- summary of what happened in chapters 3 through 4. What was happening is was Peter and John were walking into the temple courts to teach, okay? And while they're doing it, some people brought this cripple who was a beggar. And this cripple asked Peter and John for money. So Peter and John go, well, listen, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have... We will give to you. And then looked at the man and they said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And this cripple, they help him up and he starts walking around, jumping up and down and praising God. Not bad for starters, right? Then they continue into the temple courts. And in the temple courts, they go in and they start to teach. And the main thing they were talking about was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you have to understand, this is about two months after Jesus was crucified and rise from the dead. Now, two months isn't a very long time. I actually went back and looked at the news, which was two months from today. You know what the news was, the big news, two months from today? Wait for it, wait for it. Bruce Jenner is transitioning to a new gender. Yes, that was the news. You remember that, right? These people were very familiar with the fact that Jesus Christ got massacred on a cross. They all knew about this, and there's a story of him rising from the dead. While they were speaking, the religious leaders came in and seized them and put them in jail, right when they were speaking. But they were so dynamic that the people that heard them believed in Christ, and 5,000 of them were said to believe that day. So it went from 120 people to 5,000 that day. The next day, the religious leaders get these guys out of jail, and they had one question for them. They said this. By what power or what name did you heal this man? And I love this. It says in the scriptures, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, if you're asking how he was healed, then know this. It was by the name of Jesus of Nazareth who you crucified and who rose from the dead. And that's why he's standing right next to you right now. Not bad, huh? Well, now that they saw this man standing here, they really didn't have anything to say. So they threatened Peter and John and they released them because there was nothing they really could do. So they go back. Peter and John go back and go, oh man, check out what happened. They tell this whole story. But they basically said, but they threatened us. Because before they released them, they threatened them. Now, you know, the threat of the cross was hanging heavy on Christians back then. The threat of being killed for believing. I mean, you do know Christians ended up in Colosseums put with lions. You do know Christians were put on stakes and lit on fire to light Nero's garden. This was no junior high party what we're talking about. But it says in Scripture, they knew the threats and they decided to be even bolder about saying it. Now, that really captured me when I was reading this. And The next piece of scripture, the very last verse, was this verse. And while these 5,000 people gathered for prayer, the room shook, and they received the Holy Spirit. Could you imagine right now if this room started to shake? I mean, let's say something really dynamic was happening up here on the stage, and this room started to shake. This is the first time the Holy Spirit of God was released permanently on the earth. There have been times throughout the history the Holy Spirit was released for specific purposes. But this was the first time since the death of Christ that the Holy Spirit was released permanently. And that leads us then into the scripture for today. And we start off in the last part of chapter 4. We're learning about the people were selling their stuff. They were giving up their stuff and saying, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to be, what I have is yours. And it says in the scripture, nobody had a need. And it was because Peter and John were testifying about what they saw. And what they saw was risen Jesus. And the miracle of the cripple and this all came together. I went back and I looked up something. And John, if you have your Bible, go to John chapter 20. It's now Easter night. Jesus died on Friday, massacred on a cross. Women go to the tomb on Sunday morning. He's not there. They run back. They tell the disciples. They come down. No body, And nobody knows what's happened to Jesus. Other than he said to Mary, I rose. Go tell the disciples. So now we're at Easter night. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked. I like that. Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus stood among them, and here's what he says. Check this out. Peace be with you. Um, Jesus, you just walked through a wall. The door was locked. I don't know if I can have peace with me right now, okay? <laughs> just, just saying. Just saying, okay? But that's what he said. And Then he said, after he said this, he showed them his hands and the side, the wounds. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. This is the person Jesus, and they had traveled with for three years. They knew and loved him. And the last they saw was he was massacred. And they're hiding. I feel sorry for Thomas, who wasn't there. You'll see why in a second. But they're hiding. They're scared. And then Jesus says this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This was the first time the Holy Spirit was launched into people's lives. Poor Thomas, doubting Thomas. But Did you ever notice he wasn't there? He didn't get breathed on. He didn't have this. Do you know when the Holy Spirit comes into your life? You are radically transformed. This isn't child's play now. This is God holy, God eternal in your body, in your soul, whacking you every day, man. I mean, just taking over your life. You have supernatural wisdom, supernatural power, supernatural abilities to get stuff done. Because you're on mission Jesus said, as I sent, Father sent me, I'm sending you out. This just happened. That just blew my mind. And so basically, what we have now is this Holy Spirit actively involved in people's lives. No longer is God just going to exist in buildings. The building is now going to be your body. He's going to come in you, and you're going to be his church wherever you go. This is radical stuff if you look at verse 33 this verse really stood out for me it says with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the lord jesus and the grace was so powerful grace was so powerfully at work in all of them it was the resurrection of jesus that would never let these guys back down they all died but they wouldn't back down could you imagine being over in the middle east right now and isis came and took over your town and said, conform, convert to our form of Islam, or have your head chopped off. It was no different. But they weren't going to change. And they all went through these unbelievable things, because the Holy Spirit transforms people's lives. You saw them on the screen. It was radical stuff. Oh, that this would happen in our own church here, at Christ church, that we would become like that. See, there's a difference here. It's called being genuine. Being genuine with your faith. So then we get to chapter 5. Now, this is the difficult scripture. I don't know if you read this and read along with it, but two people just dropped dead. Did you notice that? Just boom and boom. And Jesus supposedly was taking care of this with the forgiveness of our sins. You know, God wasn't gonna be so angry. Boom, boom, okay? And I I want you just to get a little piece of this passage. Go to verse three. It says, Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept back for yourself some of the money you received from the land? See, there was no reason he didn't, he could have given part of the money You didn't have to give any money. It was just people were taking everything they had and selling because that was their heart. They were trusting each other. Here are two people that sort of trusted. They were sort of in. But they were deceitful about it. They wanted to appear like they were all in. I've been there. I've been there. I've been partially in. I wanted people to think I was all in. Well, I haven't dropped dead, though, okay? This, this was like, what? And so I asked myself some questions about this. And I want to share those questions with you. First of all, why did God kill these people, Ananias and Sapphira? Well, if you look at verse 5, it says, uh, where's my scripture? It says that, uh, here it is. It says that when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And if you go down to verse 10, when Sapphire heard, at the moment she, at that moment she fell down at his feet and died. Nowhere in scripture does it say that God killed them. I don't know if you noticed that, but nowhere did it say God killed them. Well, then I have my next question. Well, then how did they die? And I never knew until I found this little article that happened two years ago. This is actually in Bridgeport, Connecticut. March 13, 2014, a congregation loudly confronted its longtime pastor about his alleged infidelity. And in the midst of their meeting and them yelling at him, the pastor dropped dead. That's what happened Sunday at Miracle Faith World Outreach Church, according to its members of the congregation and the police sources. Bishop Bobby Davis, pastor of Harriet, street church since its founding in 1967 was pronounced dead at bridgeport hospital he wanted to come clean with us he wanted us to forgive him said one of the elders you ever been in a situation where you did something so bad or you were in such a bad place with something you physically got sick how about when the Holy Spirit is being released on the planet and two people trying to be part of something and being disingenuous with everybody else who is very genuine? Could it be they just dropped dead? Well, then my next question, well, why did they die? They couldn't, they couldn't be all in. And this was the beginning where Satan and the church, Satan and the Holy Spirit, were going to really really, truly begin to battle. Next question, how did Peter know? How did Peter know that he only gave part of the money? If you go back and read about Peter, it says, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. See, when Peter got breathed on by Jesus, he had the Holy Spirit. He can now see into things and understand things that nobody else knows, just like you and I can When we have the Holy Spirit, that's how it happened. Last question I had was, well then, why don't all hypocrites die? Why am I still standing up here? That wasn't that big of a sin, in my opinion. Why am I still standing? Answer, God is good. (laughs) God is very good. But also, because he is releasing his new game plan. And his new game plan is I'm going to use sick, sinful people to tell the world about my love. But they're going to have the Holy Spirit in them. And that's going to make the difference. And I'm going to change the world. And guess what? He did. Let's just go back to Genesis for a second. Genesis. 3,500 years back to Genesis. I want to show you something about the Holy Spirit that is really interesting. It, goes, it starts with Genesis chapter 1. It's actually the base, baseball verse in the Bible, you know, in the big inning. Um, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, <laughs> verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God's Holy Spirit, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, God's Spirit has been present from the very, very, very beginning of Scripture. It then goes on to say that, verse 3, God created light, and he said, that's good. Then in verse 9, God created the water and the land, and he said, that's good. Then God created vegetation, plants, trees. He said, that's good. Down to verse 14, created the stars, the moon, and the sun. Saw what, he's, what he made, and he said, that is good. Created the fish, the sea creatures, the birds. God said, that is good. Created wild animals and livestock, and said, that is good. And then the most incredible verse comes up, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us Make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move on the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Go back to that one side where it says in our image. Did you see that? All of a sudden, we realize from the very beginning of time, it's our, it's us in our likeness, plural, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's plan has always been about releasing His Holy Spirit. It's always been about Christ paying the price and releasing His Holy Spirit. We were created knowing that. Did you see that? God's Holy Spirit has always, always been a part of this plan. Um, Then if you go to the last part of this Uh, Verse verse 31, it says, God saw what he had made, and it was very good. When it came to man, bearing the image of the creator, he said it was very good. Do you understand that we are separate from animals? That we have a soul? I've asked people over the years, where is your soul? I don't know. Do you have one? Yeah, I believe I have a soul. Where is it? I don't know. I mean, is it next to your esophagus? Where is it? I mean, you know, where's your soul? I don't know. Well, then how do you know you have one? I, I just believe that. I said, have you ever loved anybody? Well, yeah. How do you know? Oh, well, I felt it inside. Where? My heart. No, that's a muscle. Where? I don't know. It's in your soul. It says God is love. It's your soul. That's how you know there is spiritual life. You can love You can experience worship i've never seen an animal build a church never seen an animal bow down but forever from the beginning of time to now from the from the most ignorant to the most educated we seek god don't we we never have stopped it's because we have a soul we have a honing device inside us that will never give up seeking god no matter how much we pile on it some of you're sitting here today who are not sure where you sit with God? Some of you have started a journey and you're looking at your life right now and you're saying, I'm half in. I'm disingenuous. I could have been like Ananias and Sapphire. I'm not doing that well. But God won't leave you alone. Because He's got this device in you. Through the years, people have asked me, Well, then how do I how do I get right with God? How do I start over? There's a verse that I've always shared with kids and adults. It is found in Romans chapter 10. And it starts with verse 8. And here's what it says. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. And it's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus you're the Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and you are therefore justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Folks, if you're struggling to know if you're really right with God, Simply say with your mouth, Jesus, I've been a little confused recently. I've let the world get me. But I know, I know you're the Lord. And I do believe you rose from the dead. And I do believe you're sitting right now at the right hand of the Father intercessing for me. That's all you have to do. That's what the scripture says you have to do. That's God's final game plan, that his Holy Spirit comes into your soul. You have to understand, both of my parents are atheists. Today is Father's Day. My father died the day I graduated from college. My father died an atheist. I don't know where he is today. My mother is 92. She's an atheist. People say to me, Denny, is there anything I can do to help you get done what you're trying to do? And I always say two things. Number one, would you help us send this team out to this nation? Would would you just consider doing that? A dollar a day is what we say. Would you help us do that? And number two, would you pray for my mom? Because I meet a lot of people, and I figure if I can get a lot of people praying for my mom, would you pray for my mom? It's real easy. Pray for K. Her name's Kathleen, she goes by K. Pray for K. Her birthday is on Wednesday. That's what I asked. When I was 18 years old, I gave my life to Christ. I made nine commitments from my sophomore year to my senior year in high school because I was very immature. My wife says you still really are, but okay. <laughs> But then I made the final commitment where I said, Jesus, you are Lord. I'm not going back. I went to Penn State. I volunteered in ministry. I graduated. I went into ministry. And since that day, I eat, drink, and sleep teenagers. I think about how can God use people to reach them. And I've done that since that day. That's what my life is about. And God has been blessing us in amazing ways. So I don't assume everybody sitting here today knows Christ. I don't assume everybody sitting here today is happy with their walk with Christ. Some of us are half-gassed. If that's you today, I'd like you to join me in a prayer. I'm going to say a prayer very similar to the prayer that was told of us in Scripture to say it with our mouth and believe in our heart, I'm going to say a prayer. If you'd like to pray that prayer with me, I'm just trying to catch a couple eyes in here. If you pray that prayer with me, I just would ask you to say it silently, but say it along with me. And I promise you, God, through his Holy Spirit, will come into your soul and transform your life. So if that's you, when I ask you, you pray with me. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for letting us gather like-minded people together, getting away from the world for a short period of time and just being at peace with one another, seeking to know what our soul is, is craving for. Now, Lord, I'm going to pray a prayer and I I just ask that whoever prays this with me that you would hear it and you would answer it immediately and you would start to transform lives right here today in this church. So now, if you would like to join me, I simply ask you to pray this prayer with me. Say it silently, but say it to the Lord. And I promise you, He will enter into your life and radically begin to transform it. So if that's you, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus, only you know how much I need to be here today. So thanks for for getting me here. Lord, my life is jacked up. I'm a mess. I'm not happy. And I need you to forgive me. So right now, Lord Jesus, I simply ask you, please, forgive me. Forgive me. And Lord, I do believe you are the Lord. I'm saying it with my mouth. And I believe, I do believe you had the power to walk out of the grave. So right now, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Bring your Holy Spirit into my soul. Thank you for doing that, Lord. And now allow me to walk out of this room today radically changed. Help me to never be the same again. And most importantly, Lord, never, ever, ever allow me to be ashamed of you ever again. Ever. And I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.